that's a scene right out of most people's nightmares. Hello and welcome to episode number 176 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, July 12th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where over the weekend, 40 people shot, 11 fatally. And from America's left coast, where we keep sending our billionaires into space, but unfortunately, they keep coming back. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah. Is it green to go into space? That was uh, the... The thing they really took off no. with a no agenda yesterday. And uh, I'm like, yeah, what, where what, are all of, these greenies? What, one of the articles I had actually decided not to bring to the show because it was boring and because it was from CNN was uh, uh, an op-ed. Actually, everything at CNN is an op-ed these days saying uh, how Richard Branson is the worst thing that's ever happened to the environment. Because do you understand how much fossil fuel that rocket is using? <laughs> Yeah, and just for funsies, too. It's not even like we're doing it for science. Uh, it will help with medical research or it'll help us. What? No, this is just, yeah, you know, I'd kind of like to go to space today. Yeah, I, I, I mean, but it's it's some tremendous bragging rights. If if you believe the conspiracy theorist, he might be the first man in space. <laughs> well, he hasn't gone to the moon yet. Although it also, you know, you also have to. uh you have to believe his side of the little quibble that he apparently is having with Bezos now about whether 60 miles up is space or not. Right. It's their little rocket measuring contest. <laughs> yes. You so know. Who's got the, who's got the longest rocket? You know, but that's Actually, well, the, the blue. Have you looked at the blue origin rocket? It kind of does look like a penis and balls. No, but, uh, you know, they're all somewhat shaped that way to get up into space. They all have a similar design to them. I mean, I guess some more than others. It depends if you want to accentuate that or not. And the whole space thing, I mean, we may need to evacuate this planet at some point. So, um. yeah, yeah. And so all of these people screaming about how this is terrible for the planet. I mean, if if we finally reach the point where climate change has got so bad, we have to give up on the planet entirely. Wouldn't it be nice to know that we've got somewhere else to go? I mean, Elon and his his colony on Mars might be humanity's last best hope you never know i mean if try, you, try not to if you've been a science fiction fan i mean we know that there are other worlds out there and we should be exploring them. yes yes we can see them through a telescope there's mars and venus and jupiter <laughs> but where's the uss enterprise where's captain kirk uh he boldly went where no one's gone before well, yeah actually yeah <laughs> and wisely didn't come back <laughs> william shatner's also gone a lot of places no man's gone before and uh he's, he's a fun guy but oh, please tell me you have a story about that <laughs> william shatner. i want that to, I, I want that to be a segue into a shatner story no i wish there was i wish there was a shatner story i'm glad the guy's still around i every now and then because i don't use twitter much anymore I used to see it a lot more because I would be checking Twitter daily, which, of course, is toxic. But he was the one guy on Twitter that was worth following. There's probably somebody that has a mastodon bot of his account because he was always fun to watch. 
He is a very smart guy, which, you know, if you've only seen him in a, a few yeah. different roles, you may not give him credit for. He's a very conservative guy, which, I mean, he's at the age now where he doesn't care. And yes. And I like I like that age. Like James Woods is there. You know, James Woods is like, I've taken the last acting role they're ever going to give me. I'm just going to say what I think. Yes. And that's good. That's what the world needs. People to speak their mind rather than being silenced. I didn't clip this or bring the uh, links for the show, but I saw an article about the country music industry, which I'm pretty familiar with that. uh, There was an article, I think it was in uh, the Fox news website, an interview with John rich from big and rich, where he talked about how having conservative values now as an artist, it's getting harder and harder to get your music played he's like it's a very weird thing because a vast majority of the country musicians he says are conservative i mean there are some that are liberal we know this but what is but, but you're not allowed anymore right because what's been overrun is everybody that runs radio country radio everybody that runs the country record labels everybody that runs everything that is involved with the business of country music has gone liberal so the artists are afraid he's like this is going beyond cancel culture this is your career's done your life uh what you do for a living is done if you get on one of those lists and he's like it's weird because he believes that a vast majority of country music listeners which i would go along with are more conservative sure and the fact those, is, those are those are what you call targets of of uh, propaganda. You're you're trying to con- to change that when you bring uh, anyway. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're now, that's this is very much how we've talked about how the people that have taken over the news media, the people that have taken over the schools, have gotten their tentacles in by spreading their propaganda through the schools and through the media. In this case, you're now. Oh, we have a conservative group of people that listen to country music. Wouldn't it be great if we could just start trying to program them? And you're keeping the artists, which I don't understand entirely, because at this point in the technological landscape, you don't need the record labels. You don't need your you know whatever around you. If you're a conservative country artist, put your music out there directly to the public. Oh, yeah. If, if, I mean, if you want to put your music, I mean, one way to go is, uh, just go look at the model that, uh, Rhino the Bearded has, has been pushing for a while. Um, you can go out and put your music out to your fans and make a pretty good living on, uh, Bandcamp or Patreon or somewhere like that. Uh, using, I mean, a lot of people do it using the value for value model. A lot of others will put out a few songs. Uh, on a show like Rhino's and then, uh, sell them on Bandcamp. You, like, when when you go to a big record company and you make an album for them and that album sells for what what's an album go for? I'm so out of date. Is it still twenty dollars? Is it up to forty by now? Well, CDs um, are about ten bucks, which isn't horrible from what they used to be, but the physical sales are but almost but you get to now. keep ten percent of that as the artist if you're lucky, and if you're just starting out or got the bad contract, it's more like three percent. Uh, but if you sell that stuff from Bandcamp, you're keeping 95%. Yes. So, bypassing is good. So, uh, you don't need the huge. It, okay. If you want to become the next ultra mega star, 
then your only option is to to suck off the right Hollywood people and be done with it. And uh, if you have boobs, that's easier. But I, I don't you know, I don't judge. But if you just want to make a living, you don't need the audience anymore if you can cut the middlemen out. Right. And what it, you just said there was exactly what uh, Kid Rock said about Taylor Swift as far as playing <laughs> ball. And uh, he said the only reason she's doing this is because she wants to be a movie star. That's her next move, he believes. You know, because the music thing's great and you've made your billions or whatever. I don't know if she's hit a billion yet, but she's made millions. And you do have to be in with that crowd if you want to be in the movies. Music. Oh, the, yeah. The value yeah, for value concept in music, I think, is where it's going more than where it has been, because that is so easy for an artist to release the music. If people like it, you go, well, then give me what you think it's worth. And it works. Yeah, there's a there's a real casting couch situation in in I mean, not maybe I don't know if it is as bad in in big music as it is in Hollywood in in movies. But there there is absolutely the uh, you know, you're you're going to have to go above and beyond the call of duty if you want us to promote your record sort of thing. Um, I am not well versed in what's going on with that. But if you do want to know more about the corruption in the mu- music industry, uh, the person that I would recommend is to listen to lavish on the behind the schemes podcast. That guy really seems to understand exactly what's going on. And I, uh, I, I never expected this from that podcast, but I learned something listening to it. <laughs> nice. Uh, the music industry has always been hey, a cesspool. I, I know how to pay a compliment to a podcast. You know that? No, no, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard you pay a compliment to a podcast. Well, we'll keep waiting. Maybe we'll find one, but I had a good time over the weekend. My parents' anniversary is actually on Thursday, but, you know, you have to go out on the weekend when everybody is free and they wanted to take all of us out to dinner, which all of us just means my wife, my uh, sister, my brother-in-law, my niece, my nephew, and my nephew's fiance. So nine of us went out to Gibson's Steakhouse in Oak Brook here and had a fine time. And it was interesting just to see, uh, I mean, I was predicting we went early. Because, you know, my parents are old. It'll be their 60th wedding anniversary on Thursday. So that, uh, congratulations. Yeah, that is uh, that is a bar to be set. Mine, it, mine made it almost 40. I think she divorced him about a month before the what would have been their 40th anniversary. That, you know, you can't always make it. Eh, well, <laughs> it, it was about the time that, that they finally managed to get all the kids out of the house. They're like, you know, we can't oh, stand yeah. each other. You're right. Well, they're like, oh, well, Ryan's finally gone. Yay. Oh, no, no. I had been gone for 10 years. I, I owned my own house by this point. It was uh, I, I was not the kid that needed to be kicked out of the house. But but I don't want to smear anyone's good name. So I won't mention who it was. Tony, um, I, I didn't say anything. I know I didn't didn't say you did. But uh, so we got there early on a Saturday, four o'clock. So it wasn't busy when we uh, started out. By the time we were leaving, the place was packed and it's a quite large restaurant. Nobody wearing masks, of course except for the bus boys. And I'm not sure if that was just because they wanted to virtue signal or maybe they weren't vaccinated. I don't know what their whole rule was, but it was very much a non-issue as far as that goes. So it felt like just being back out with people uh, having fun. And again, this was uh, there were no lack of people in the restaurant. So that was kind of cool. It was good to be able to get a nice bone in ribeye. Nice. I do have a question because it's been a long, quite a while since I've checked. Are people still worth being around? Um, well, we didn't really have to interact with many people except for, you know, family 
and the the waiter the waiter was fantastic which you know this this well, place, of course his income requires that he be so yes in this place it usually is and for nine of us uh you know i think it's the the first dinner i've been at in a long long time where the you know the bill with the tip went over uh, over three digits so it's uh you know but that's a little over a hundred bucks a person you know I, you, you know if was the food good was the experience good yes was it oh it was fantastic it's some of the best steaks you can get yeah i mean they've got the magical ovens that do the uh you know the flashing on the outside i think they say it's like 1800 degrees or something that the Ooh. oven pumps out so it's uh no i want one i know it's like I, this is something you can't do at home i i know for sure that would i would find a way to burn my house down but i still want one <laughs> yes i mean i thought of because like they do sell some of the like for pizzas but they're you know it's just an oven with a wood you know uh or a stone base and some of them you know there's different ways that they enclose them but that can reach those kind of temperatures that you uh you know you either do for pizzas or i would guess it would work Four steaks, you know, you get them in, you cook them nice and quick. You get that outside, just a nice little crust on it without the inside getting charred to uh, to hell. And, uh, you know, this place, though, it's it's uh, interesting because the sides that they have, you know, if you order like a, uh, you know, a double baked potato, it's enough for like six people. I don't know where they find the potatoes that size. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost scary because you, you don't see those in the store. and when you order a piece of cake, we had uh, a turtle macadamia pie was what they called it, but it was more just a, you know, concoction that was ice cream and caramel and macadamia nuts and, you know, a crust. And we had, again, nine people at the table. My parents, they brought them like an ice cream sundae, you know, happy anniversary, but they cut the, uh, the one piece of dessert amongst the other seven of us and there was still about a third of it left that's the size of the uh of the dessert that they bring so i mean if you just go with a date i mean you're gonna have to make some friends because i don't think two people could eat or or is this can you take some home or is this place too expensive for that no not only can you take it home because we did this a couple of years ago when we were there i think for um, my wife and i's anniversary with my parents that we ordered one of those desserts and it's like, well, we ate like an eighth of it. They actually have things that will keep it frozen until you get home. I mean, there's actual so, containers. So they realize that they're giving you uh, a tremendously unhealthy amount of, of sugary carbs. Yes. And have prepared for this. Okay. Yes. And that, you know, again, this was something I had not been eating for weeks and weeks and weeks. None of the sugar, none of the carbs. And I really didn't do bad with the carbs because I only had a little bit of the potato and otherwise just had spinach and that kind of stuff. But yeah, the dessert really threw the sugar right <laughs> out the window, man. Uh, you can get high on that much sugar, especially if you're not used to it. I, I, and I did because it was that then mixed with a uh, cappuccino. So it was, you know, it was great. I, I mean, anybody who doesn't think that a sugar high is a legitimate high like like you're on drugs like your brain is not functioning the normal way just I'll honestly just look at a toddler but yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and get off of it every now and then just to see what happens that was you know the most interesting thing for me not saying it's a most uh you know the most successful dieting method that you can do or anything if you have to lose weight but the really minimizing the sugar and the carbs has made a big difference just in 
energy levels, which I mean, it can really be a pain in the ass because now there are days that you know I get up to like pee at like four in the morning or five in the morning. And it's just like, I'm up. I can't fall back asleep. It's like, I have too much yeah. energy. Well, I have the same problem, but that's because at five in the morning, the fucking sun has already come up. <laughs> well, it'll do that until it doesn't. And then we'll have yeah, other well, issues. Another month and it'll be six in the morning and another two months after that, it'll be eight. And then, you know, come December, it won't come up till 10 a.m. Yeah. And I, I was so bored. You know, I got, like I said, I got up at like four this morning then couldn't fall back asleep. And I'm, I go over to No Agenda Social and I see a thread with Dave Jones and um, somebody else that was talking about Spotify and their market share. And, you know, there was kind of a weird little argument going on. And I went over to Spotify because I have the app on my iPad because I was trying to watch the, you know, the Rogan stuff there. And I looked and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, no agenda. You can't find it on Spotify. And I looked and random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com, the other show that I do, not on there. Grumpy Old Ben's not on Not on Spotify? No, we weren't. And, wow. and then I looked and I'm like, oh, Grimerica. I'm like, well, they're there. And I looked for that Larry show and that was there. And I'm like, maybe I need to add this. So that's what I was doing at four in the morning was oh, <laughs> adding selling grump- out. Yeah. I'm adding uh, grumpy old pens and random thoughts. I'm like, you know what? We need more experts. And if they're there, I will let them run our show through selling their stupid out. platform. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 at this point, rare at this great rare encounter is going to be the only show that never that sticks to their guns and never sells out and and has principles and also no listeners well right because rare encounter is so bad i added them over <laughs> on pod chaser and then the rss feed must be corrupt or something because once they added it it's not showing any episodes so i well, they're probably go- censoring it because of the anti tim cook maybe messages in the rss maybe because i like the pod chaser concept i wanted to add my appearance on rare encounter rareencounter.net with abel curry and cold acid but no i couldn't because they added the show but then there were no episodes listed so all this stuff as we talked about post show the other day it's like we need more experts we need to get a a little bit more of a boost somewhere because over the last six months And for those that were listening live, they've already heard this. But over the last six months, we've had decent listenership, but it's been a straight line. We are no longer increasing people. And we're like, we would like more. We would like more people to listen to the show so more people can donate and support the show so we can make this, you know, a real go of this. Because otherwise, you know, the the time is is hard to find. I I mean, otherwise, we're going to have to start selling our bodies. (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna be and i i don't know you know mine wait wait are we doing this by the pound because <laughs> that we're good i mean no I, only if we're ferengi yeah we're golden then no i no, it's it's a bit used and uh there's a lot of chips in the paint and i mean i, I don't know mine it it's not it's not like new anymore and uh yes radix 023 aka sir spud the mighty i mean we're not really um obsessed with the analytics but we can see that we don't have a growth going and the only analytic that matters which is money coming in of people supporting the show and that's been flat and we figured rather than try to keep annoying the people that are listening that are experts that enjoy the show rather than constantly going hey dude donate we figured if we would get more people there would be more people to pick up on that slack i mean allegedly 
Well, I think I think I had this conversation with you offline. How much just you knowing what you know about me and the fact that I I hate all anything that is 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 marketing or pandering related. How much it hurts to be begging people for money. And the last thing I want to do is take the listeners we have and be like, well, you guys aren't paying enough. Right. I mean, that's that's an awful feeling to be able to try to chastise the people who have already made our show as popular as it is. I mean, it's, it's better than I ever expected, but I, I mean, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not paying the rent on, uh, on what we're making. And so, you know, at some point we're like, are, are we going to grow or are we just going to keep doing this work for nothing? I mean, there are other things that I could be doing. I could be selling my soul and in Silicon <laughs> Valley, for example. Right. I mean, you actually have some skills. I mean, not person skills, but you have no technical no, no. skills. No, I got into computers because people are too complicated and messy. That's where they're like, Bemrose, uh, you're going to be working remotely no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's good, because then I don't have to get dressed for work. Oh, I, I was just reading. Uh, you know, I, I should start a segment on on the just headlines of, of stories that were interesting, but I don't want to go deep into. Uh, one of them was uh, some... Uh, a worker is trying to start a class action suit against her employer who demands that they be in the office for three days a week. And she says, well, I, I don't want to be around because some of them might be lying about being uh, vaccinated and, and uh, trying to sue her company for requiring them to be in, uh, in the office. The, this remote work thing took hold. It is not going to let go. There are a lot of people now who are like, I don't want to ever leave the house. I am a shut in. You can't make me leave the house. Just keep paying me and I'll continue doing Zoom meetings forever. Well, there's good for good reason for that, because when you can't be monitored, you're going to do less. I mean, it's also a thing when you don't have to commute to work because commuting really sucks. I get it. Oh, yeah. I've done it. Yeah. the, The commute down Interstate 405 was. One of the big contributing factors to me getting totally burned out on my job in Redmond. Uh, there's no question that that commutes are awful and not having to commute is great. However, I can tell you from experience working both remotely and in office that you are when when working in a team, which a team is necessary for any non-trivial or large project. When working in a team, you get better collaboration face to face than you can through a screen. Period. End of story. Oh, I agree. There's people that will argue that. And the the interesting thing for me will come down to for those that want to make that case, like, oh, I'm I'm afraid to go into work because of the COVID thing. This is gonna come down to like every bad sitcom that had somebody claim workers comp. There was a whole office scene like this where Dwight Schrute was out looking, you know, to try to prove whether they were really out sick or what they were doing that day this is going to be the same type of thing with people that are like well i'm afraid covid that's why i can't come into the office and there'll be businesses that will kowtow to it but then you better make sure nobody posts a uh, facebook or instagram picture of you out at a restaurant or at a club or out seeing a concert because if you're willing to go into those kind of crowds then you can get your ass into work so it's an interesting concept oh yeah well it's just like when when Facebook started to become a big thing and people would call out for work and then go to a concert and post pictures themselves. And they're like, did you think your employer would never see that? Right. Did you think the or, internet was private? Or, you know, 
People who like there was at least one instance a while back where somebody lost a lawsuit because they were suing someone, their insurance company or someone for workers comp because they said they lost the ability to walk or something like that uh, on the job and therefore give me money and then posted pictures of them snow skiing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're going to get caught. And that's- so, yeah, th- this particular uh, lawsuit where they were like, you know, the company required the, uh, the article. One of the reasons that I didn't want to bring it is they wouldn't going to name the company. But interestingly, I was like, well, uh, if OK, what what big company in Silicon Valley is demanding that people come to work three days a week? Uh, and I'm like, this can't be that hard to look up. So I just decided to do a little investigating, see if I could pull it up myself. So. I went and did some web searches on uh, companies that want workers in office three days a week. I found articles. Uh, Amazon wants office workers back three days a week in September. Edelman wants employees to work at the office three days a week. Uh, Uber wants staff in the office three days a week. Apple employees required to return to the office three days a week. Google expecting workers to come to the office three days a week. Apparently, this is a thing that I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Silicon Valley, one company gets an idea and it catches on like a cartel. But I thought it'd be like, well, what company is requiring just three days a week? That seems right. very specific. Yes. All a of lot them. of them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. And they're oh, let's say the interesting thing when you work for those companies is how they decide who gets hired and who gets fired, because it seems a lot of the companies have kind of like the tiered voting thing in New York. This is how they decide who they keep. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are like, yeah, if you're in the bottom 10% of our ratings at the end of the year, yeah, with a lot of times that's based upon employee peer reviews. And of course, your your managers, whoever reviewing you, your the people that are above you. But if at the end of the year you didn't make the cut, they churn you because they know the only way to have a business that's going to continue growing and to get rid of the anchors are the one that's how you get rid of them. And I was talking to my niece over the nice dinner and she works for Amazon. She's just about a year or so out of college and she works for Amazon in human resources. And I'm like, Oh, do they let you fire people? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> she's like, I haven't had people throw stuff at me after I fire it up. I'm like, Holy crap. I hope you have security. Oh yeah. I guess people aren't happy when they're getting fired. She's like, yeah, the first one they gave her was, you know, somebody failed a drug test. It was pretty cut and dry. And it's like, yeah, you kind of have a certain uh, you have a certain fortitude to be able to do that job. Oh, see, at Microsoft, they like you would get an email from someone in HR. Sometimes you wouldn't even get an email from a person in HR. It'd be just an email with the the from was the HR department. Uh, (laughs) The person who told you you were fired was they required it to be your manager. Uh, like your your media boss who you've had a good working relationship for with a while is like yeah so um hey thanks for uh going above and beyond with that that report over there and oh by the way we don't want you working here anymore right congratulations <laughs> obviously that's not the way they do it at amazon they they have the henchmen in the uh in the hr department it's like oh that's i guess it's a question of who you want to be the bad guy yes you know or who you want to have stuff thrown at when somebody yeah. gets mad that's like why and and some of these nerds are not very agile so maybe like they just have hr department do the the crossfit or something right should have asked her if they just let her have like a you know a little billy club or something there somebody gets a yeah. little out of hand you just you just whap like, them upside the head i mean you know when when your company is issuing riot shields to the hr people <laughs> yeah i mean hey you never so, know 
So let's see other other uh, stories headlines that I am not going to cover on this show. Uh, there was a state legislator from Connecticut, Democrat by the way, who was arrested and confessed to election fraud. Oh, uh, this was three weeks ago, but I never heard about it on the mainstream media. What a surprise! Um, so whenever somebody claims, "Hey, there's no election fraud anywhere," yeah, right about that. We couldn't um, find any. Yeah. So, uh, and, um, apparently Cuba is going freaking crazy with mass protests, uh, shutting down all of the cities because they hate communism that much and they want to throw off their, their communist dictatorship or I, I don't know. Are they communist or socialist? I still am a little fuzzy on the distinction. I believe communist. Um, funny how the mainstream media is not covering that either. Well, yeah, because this, this leads us to a very easy solution. Let's open those gates of America and let all the Cubans in that hate communism. And let's take all the Americans that want communism and send them to Cuba. (laughs) That's an option. Yeah. What about the Americans who are just trying to get away from Californians? (laughs) Well, you know, be like, okay, you know, Biden has screwed things up so badly. How bad can Cuba be? Really? You know, the weather's beautiful. You know, that's I don't doubt it's in the tropics. Yeah. And there's a, if you like old cars, that is a haven because their new cars yes. seem to be like I, from the 50s. Yeah. I was going to say, if if you want a place where you are guaranteed, none of the cars are Internet connected. Yes. Yes. You know, no OnStar going on here, baby. But I thought uh, that was a great solution for all the Cubans that hate communism. Bring them here for all the people here that want to turn this into a communist society. We got Cuba. Let's fill that island up. You have got great ideas. You need you should be a totalitarian dictator. I should run for office. Here's what we're going to do. If you don't like America, we're going to send you out of the country. We're going to (laughs) round you up and send you forcibly out of the country. You got my vote already. See, this might work. That is a that is a platform that resonates with a lot of people these days. Right. Uh, Well, because we have a majority, I believe, that is the silent majority and that's the weirdness that we've had to deal with for the fast the last few years if not decade or so where that change has been made where everybody and a lot of it's because of the tech companies and controlling social media and because the loud voices on social media that get allowed to spew whatever they want are on one side of the aisle and i really don't believe if you were to somehow send you know an electropulse today and destroy the internet and people actually had to go back to communicating with each other face to face i think things change a lot i think a lot of people would just melt down they don't know how to communicate with other people without a phone in the like well that's true too like what what do you okay you know why aren't you talking if standing right next to each other we are talking we're both texting on our phone yes that way the government can have a record of everything we're saying or or the the Facebook arm of the government, as it were. Right. Which, yes. uh, you know, it was interesting. There was an article the other day. I didn't clip this one either, but it was like why you should no longer use Facebook Messenger. It's like, well, you should have never been using it in the first place. But uh, can, can I make a list? It'd be longer than the Facebook terms of service. Yeah. I mean, the main one. And this was an the article Facebook terms of service would be the first item on the list, by the way. Right. Because I think this was a Forbes article or something like that. And the main thing was. They admit to monitoring your conversations in order to give you better ads. 
So they admit that they're monitoring your private communications. Yeah, I, and you're lucky if that's the only reason they're doing it. Well, yeah, because you're the I government. Mean, you know, Facebook themselves might only care about serving you better ads. But if you think that they're keeping that data private just to themselves, even I, I mean, you know, what was it like eight, eight nine years ago when uh, No Agenda found some clips of, of one of the FBI director who's like, oh, yeah, I was in the Facebook office just, you know, for something else. And I happened to see Mark Zuckerberg in the hallway and like, wait, why was the FBI director in the Facebook office? Because they've been working with the government for as long as they've been collecting your data. Yeah, well, if they've got your data, you don't think they're handing it over to the government? I mean, they'll sell it to anybody. So if you don't think Facebook would sell your data to whatever government comes by and goes, oh, we'd like that data that you have. Here's money. They're in the data collection business. Facebook is free. You don't pay. Nobody pays, you know, with money as far as a subscription. I was going to say, I mean, I understand you pay. Bandrew just talked about this on his latest uh, Bandrew Says podcast again, where he's like, you know, I don't have any apps on my phone, except since he has a YouTube channel. He's like, yes, I have the YouTube app. And yes, I know what a hypocrite is. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, okay, I understand you need it for, you know, your channel, but everything else. No, I mean, even on my phone, I have uh, I have a YouTube app. It's it's called New Pipe because I'm not installing the Google one. Right. Because, again, this is all about if you are not paying for it, you are the product and you have to understand that. And any data that Facebook has, it doesn't matter who's coming by saying they have some money and they're interested in your data. They will sell it. It's just the way it is. And all the tracking and all of that, it's like we've just become a society that is way too comfortable with the stuff. And I don't get it especially with the gps stuff there was uh, a friend of a friend i heard a story that they went down to the you know the thing on january 6th and uh, oh you the know place. the thing yeah in the place and the fbi Where you get the whole load yeah the fbi came knocking on their door and uh but instead of letting them in they called their lawyer like do i have to talk to them and they're like well no i mean if they don't have a warrant they said they'll be back so i don't know what they'll come back yeah. with but uh you know this is they told them when they opened the door that we're here because we tracked your cell phone to Washington, yeah. D.C. during that particular yeah. time. And, and the, the proper response is that in, that's interesting. I have nothing to say to you. You'll hear from my lawyer slam. Yes. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And I think we know what's going on here because allegedly this person did not go into the Capitol or anything. But they're interested in talking to everybody that was there because even people that didn't go in know people that did. And those are the people they're going after. So yeah, I mean, if no you were doubt. just outside thinking like, I'm just here peacefully watching what's going on. I didn't go into the Capitol building. Yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. You're still on a list. I mean, from from the the lead up to it, where where it was, uh, you know, Trump saying we want to explain to congress how much we're dissatisfied with what you're doing and it felt like a protest and a a much more peaceful protest than the ones that had burned down cities up till that point um it felt like this was you know for the first time in eight months it was going to be an actual protest and not a, a riot where people were calling it a protest and the spin around january 6th is it it Adam nailed it when he called it the Reichstag fire because it it was 
And if you don't know what that is, look it up. But it is uh, the Nazi party in Germany was just one of many parties until they burned down the Reichstag parliament building in Germany, in Berlin. And then they used that and spun it as people are trying to destroy Germans. We're not going to get anything unless you all unite underneath the Nazi party and you will, you know, and it was that and the propaganda surrounding it that turned the Nazi party from just one of many parties in Germany to the ruling party. And we all have a reasonably good idea, at least those of us who paid attention in history class and weren't taught critical race theory instead of history. We got a pretty good idea where that ended up. And uh, this January 6th thing, anybody was paying attention when it happened. There really, it was, it was nothing. It was, it, it was a protest. It was a bunch of people getting together and marching down the street and saying, we're not happy with what's going on here. Something that happens all the damn time. And as a bonus, didn't even break into or burn down any local businesses along the way. In fact, there was surprisingly little property damage, but somehow AOC died multiple times during <laughs> that. And every, you know, Nancy Pelosi, uh, pissed her depends. And every single congressman who was there was afraid for their lives. And my first reaction is good. You should be afraid, but it's too bad. You're acting because nothing freaking happened. No. And what they're trying to do now is to pin that on Donald Trump and anybody that voted for him, which means the Democrat or the Republican Party. The Democrats are pointing at the Republican side and going, white supremacist, seditionist, bad people, we can't have this. We must get rid of them. And uh, yeah, this does seem very Nazi Germany-like, except the people that are pretending to be the anti-fascists are totally the fascists. Which is completely in line with the the leftist propensity to project in almost everything. I, I, almost every time that you see some libtard out there accusing right wing conspiracy groups or white supremacist groups of something, you are about 80 percent sure that they're doing it. And that's why they came up with, I, I don't know if it's a lack of imagination that causes people to project like that or, or like, oh, we can't think of anything original we can accuse you of. So we'll just accuse you of doing what we're doing. But that's what's been happening. Well, if you're the first to accuse and you go, hey, you're doing this. Well, then if the uh, other side comes back with, no, you are. It just really seems like a four year old response. I saw, saw an interview with a, a, a president of a national teachers union. I don't know which one. Uh, who came out and said, uh, the first thing she said is, is, uh, nobody is teaching critical race theory in K through 12. They're only teaching critical race theory to college students who are old enough to understand the implications. And we are only teaching and then, and then goes on to say, and the people who are coming out and trying to ban critical race theory are just trying to confuse the issue and intimidate people and you know, all the things that they've been doing. Uh, and said, uh, and therefore we have to put a stop to the people who are criticizing critical race theory so that we can teach it in our schools. Like, but <laughs> yes. you just said, nobody's trying to teach it in the, I, <laughs> but that shows how important it is that we do teach it. I, yeah, it's like the we, insanity. We, we can't teach it correctly because you won't let us because you're trying to shut down conversation. So shut up. And in the troll room, where you really need to be when we do these shows live Monday and Friday, noon Eastern time, noagendastream.com, 
the great Billy Bones of a Walk Through the Mind podcast says, has this been verified through Wikipedia? To my answer will be the next story I, I pulled up, which <laughs> is uh, from a Breitbart article, which is Wikipedia administration unilaterally broadens their sourcing ban policy. And of course, Breitbart is on that list. Wait, okay. Broaden and ban. Okay. They're okay, broadening their ban policy. So the, okay. the sites that are already blacklisted. Yes, I'll use that word from being linked to from Wikipedia because they're bad. Put that in quotes, air right. quotes that, uh, you know, and Breitbart is one of those. They so they're, are, they're including hate groups like Antifa and BLM and the Southern Poverty Law Center, right? No, no. But Breitbart oh. right up on that list. And I don't oh, know if no there doubt. was if there was a whole list of who is or who is not. But the uh, the claims are pretty clear that it's only the conservative outlets that are untrustworthy. And this, again, no doubt you get rid of that one side, you get rid of one side. And then it seems like everybody is in lockstep. Everybody agrees. I mean, this is easy enough to verify. Go write something in an article and and use a citation that goes to zero hedge and see how fast your your article gets completely reverted. You cannot use that sauce. No, that's uh, that's what you get. You know, and then and then put in one that links to HuffPo and it'll stay up forever. Don't <laughs> yes. t- no doubt. <laughs> yes, that is obviously true. Yes. That's okay. His. When did I start podcasting with CSB? <laughs> no, that's that was my German accent. That wasn't CSB. <laughs> CSB is not German. No, I know. What that's do you what, want? I'm just I, I'm close. It was you, a, don't you think CSB is German? Stop. He, he's an expert. Don't he's don't, Polish. Yeah, yeah, he's not German, so stop trying to pretend he's German. And he, I mean, his his donation for today's show that we'll be getting to in a minute. I mean, it's it's varying because he sent some money in because this is the way CSB is, and I love the guy. You know, we might as well break and and just go to experts now because we haven't really covered anything yet today. That's a great idea. Let's go to the experts segment where CSB comes in first and foremost with a a weird donation because it was the uh, the leavens donation he is very anti-brexit he says oh uk they suck you know in his own way well he's not wrong and well yeah <laughs> they are in, in so many ways just like all of the eu though also sucks so he doesn't believe that the bet that he had going with himself i guess because there's really no way to uh you know nobody was betting against him in this case but he said the other day with this big soccer tournament the euro that if italy beat the british team he was going to do something he has never done before which is donate to no agenda monetarily he has never he's an expert here on grumpy old bens but he is still a douchebag over at the no agenda podcast so i i did not know this this is true i did not know this either but he said if i mean i would not characterize him as a douchebag i would not either he's done a lot of artwork he has contributed to the show in so many ways but no monetary donation no agenda was was asking producers to create art and send clips and everything back back when they were a, a normal podcast he was still contributing to the show by creating a parallel podcast that tried to tear them down. And I think that's a useful service. Yo agenda, baby. <laughs> and so this was his bar that if the UK lost to Italy, he was going to donate $333 
to no agenda. But CSP doesn't do anything easily because he's all privacy conscious. So he wanted to do the Bitcoin donation. And I'm like, well, I think Adam has a, a Bitcoin address. And he's like, no, no, no. I sent to you. You sent to no agenda. So I'm like, okay. Wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> he sent me the donation for no agenda in Bitcoin. And he said, you know, just keep whatever is above the 333 after the Bitcoin and the fees and all that. And wow. just put that towards grumpy old Benz. And he said, I have no note. He's like, remind Dvorak to be on your show. Just put whatever you want in the note. Just let them know it's from me. So you'll be hearing that on no agenda come Thursday. Okay. <laughs> on, on the one hand, I'm, I'm honored to even be sitting near you when this happens. And I don't know if this is a GOB thing or a Darren O'Neill thing, but wow. Uh, on the other hand, what the hell? It's, okay. It's a, it's a interesting way to get the donation yeah. through. And, uh, I, and it's getting us to talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated. I was, I was as well. I'm like, there is a direct way to go. I know Adam has a Bitcoin address. He's given it out in the past. It's somewhere. I don't know where it's not like it's prominent or anything, but this will make a, this will make for an interesting little note for us to be able to send over to no agenda. And I mean, I'm glad that CSB and, is an expert it'll before. Be- It'll be a complete surprise to Adam because he doesn't listen to this show. Correct. He will have no idea this is coming. Otherwise, he would know about all the tiered voting and stuff you talked about because you broke that down quite eloquently. But, you know, I said, no, to my wife, not I'm like, eloquently. I, I ranted about it. <laughs> I said uh, with the CSB, the, with the Bitcoin thing going from like me and then converting that to fiat and then sending that via PayPal to no agenda. I'm like, am I money, money laundering for a CSB? <laughs> Should I be worried? This is uh uh, no, not unless you get caught. So oh, okay. you, as long as you don't do something really dumb, like blab about right. it on a public podcast, I think you'll be OK. Right. Do not talk about you know, this will be my evidence that I'm just a patsy. I was sent some Bitcoin and I have to I have to send this in. And they asked me to to, to not to look inside the box and, you know, not to look. don't touch what's in the package. Whatever you do, don't open the package. But, uh, I'm, Annette Ned just said first bank of O'Neill. I love it. Something like that. I mean, it's a, obviously it shows CSB has trust in us that we wouldn't just take his Bitcoin and go. Thanks. See you later. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's an interesting. Wait, wait, hold on a moment. Yeah. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. Should we, should we just keep CSB's Bitcoin? No, I, I don't know. He, he has the Polish mafia behind him or whatever. So I don't, I don't want oh, that's any, a good point. Yeah, I don't want any, anything to do with that. And I like CSP. Otherwise, he would doodle us nonstop, which sounded yes, way dirtier right. you, than I thought. That, it would. That's a <laughs> that's a fate. Yes, yes, it is. So, thank you, CSB, for being our executive producer on today's show. And we look forward to hearing the note that I send for you to be the executive producer on No Agenda come Thursday. Go Italy. I mean, as long as it was not the the Brits, he was happy. And I, I mean, I know nothing about soccer, so there may be people listening that followed this whole thing. And the only thing I saw about the game was that it was a tied game, much like hockey does in order to, after they play the period, the extended period, and they're like, okay, we've played enough. Now we do the shootout in hockey where five or three players, whatever it is, they get a free shot on goal and whoever gets more goals, that's how the game is decided. Well, that's what it came down to at the end of this game between Britain and Italy. And I read, and I have no idea if this is true or not, 
but that the UK sent in, I believe it was three black players in that overtime in that shootout because they wanted to be more woke, that they weren't the best players, <laughs> but they sent them in because they wanted the story of, oh, the black guy won it for us. And if that's true, wow, I can see why people would be burning the stadiums down. And I don't know if that's true. People fact check me on this one because I thought that was a little crazy. But if that's any truth to that whatsoever. But well, I, I, I feel like you are far better informed about this than I am. Yeah, uh, I was I was vaguely aware that there was some kind of sports ball thing going on because on my timeline, I could not scroll. I could, the, the UI would not let me scroll past those stories fast enough. <laughs> so I I unfortunately uh, seeped into my awareness that something in Europe was going on with with something that they think is football, but is actually soccer. Some. Uh, yeah, correct. So, I mean, fact check me on that one. I thought that was a very interesting story. And uh, I, I mean, I didn't follow it close enough to know. I don't know anything about the teams, but obviously a lot of people watch guys in little shorts kicking their balls around. I mean, there's only fans for that, but sure. Uh, and who doesn't like watching that? Exactly. Coming in at $15 today, Linda Sarunian. We appreciate that. Keith Von Dyke with 10 bucks. And that guy's been coming in with 10 bucks a month for as long as I can remember. We've been doing the show for a couple of years now. It seems like Keith has been there, and we appreciate that. He's never sent in a note, never had any comments, never said you guys are great, never said you guys suck, and we appreciate that. Well, I always appreciate when people don't say I suck. <laughs> because you hear it so often. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Like a breath of fresh air. Like, what? You mean you're not going to say it? Exactly. Wow. In a last-minute ADA Cardano donation, our buddy Bacon Dude comes in with $4.42, but it was in Cardano through the wallet address, which is available at grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. And coming in at 293, Brian Hall. We appreciate everybody that listens, supports the show, helps us keep the lights on, helps us oh. keep the microphone sounding good. And according to some young guy, we're sounding better and better. He has hit his girlfriend in the mouth or whatever we do here. Well, I don't know what's changing, but I appreciate the sentiment. Well, I mean, you did get a new microphone. At one point. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was, that was many, many shows ago. But yes. Yeah. Maybe but that's like, it. If you're starting at the beginning, like oh. some people have, they're like, Oh, Which, the show uh, keeps okay. better. I mean, we publish it from the beginning. So clearly we're, we're enabling that sort of behavior, but uh, it, it does seem a little bit aberrant to me. And yes, douchebag pet, we do have a PO box. You can find that at grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate along with the donate button that'll take you to PayPal one time or monthly donation. All the Bitcoin, the Ethereum and Cardano information and the PO box address. All of it is there. And if you really hate all of that and you have a Patreon account, you can go to patreon.com slash grumpyoldbenz as well. No extra content. Well, or very minimal extra content. It's just an easy way to. I had a. Move I had a question on. about this. Sure. Um, so most of those names are, are, uh, rec I recognize as experts who've come in before. And, uh, I am absolutely pleased that we've got people who are willing to, uh, who, who like the show well enough that they are willing to donate more than once. Uh, we, you know, we absolutely thrive on people. Uh, you know, the value for value model thrives on people saying, I'm still getting, I'm still getting value out of this. I'm going to continue sending value. So thank you for that. But uh, Linda Sarunin, is that a new name on the list? No, I've seen it a couple of times before. Oh, okay. I did not recognize it. And maybe that's because I don't listen to the show. Maybe you should but listen a little more carefully. I did realize, uh, which I think was on one of the you last You just kind of glossed over the name, just mentioned it and then moved on. So I was like, who is that? Well, the one name which we have noticed appears 
quite a bit. And I was doing the bookkeeping the other day was Betty's name, Betty Solero. Yes. And she has her bank cutting a check for six ninety six every 14 days. So you can do that. Go into your bank. Let them know what you want to send out. If you really want to screw your bank around, you send a, a very well, small or amount. You, like, or even if you like your bank, but you just don't feel like having PayPal take a cut. Right. Or you don't have to buy a stamp. You don't have to buy an envelope. You don't have to write the check. You don't have to sign the check. You just got to press something once and say, yeah, do this every X amount of days. That is what keeps us going. I mean, it would be great. I mean, I'm waiting for the day that we have somebody like Sir Dude uh, named Anonymous that, uh, you know, comes in, you know, that like oh, with a thousand dollar check. Yeah. With a thousand or more and just like blows our minds. But uh, that hasn't happened yet. So you could we're, we're, we're waiting. <laughs> uh, operators are standing by. They are. They're sitting at the P.O. box just waiting. And, and I do have to apologize to uh, to Betty Solero, um, who uh, is uh, I rightly been guilting me this morning for missing the uh, meetup that happened on Saturday. Oh, you didn't go to the meetup. See, I, I was out having steaks on Saturday. What were you doing? I was taking my wife to the doctor's office. Oh, OK. That's a legitimate excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Would it be legitimate if I said I was taking my cat to the doctor's office? A little less so, <laughs> but uh, no, we, we had a, we had a doctor, we, we had a, a, a doctor's appointment that got a, like a last minute rescheduling and it was for three thirty PM on Saturday. And I'm just going to go, I really wanted to go to, the, and uh, so I apologize. And uh, I, I, you know what? Just chalk it up to the fact that I hate people and I really don't like being social and screw everybody. Because um, I, I don't even like you guys. So you're not going to be the one throwing the GOB meetup in Seattle. Billy Bones has been uh, on me again about making something a reality that we were talking about before COVID hit, which was a Chicago based no agenda con, which I mean, there's a lot of hotels here out in the suburbs. So you don't have to worry about getting shot or anything. I mean, that's that's a plus. Um, we do have a Holiday Inn Express that was literally just finished during COVID about five minutes from my house. And I'm thinking this could be a great base. Bring some people in, bring Billy Bones in, bring Fletcher in. I mean, I'm not paying for your airfare or anything, so don't think all crazy here, guys. But, you know, bring Carolyn Blaney in, Nick the Rat, anybody that wants to come in and take part in this. We have bandwidth. I mean, whether the hotel does or not. It'd be great if the house was only a few minutes away because you could just whisk everybody right over to the bar slash the studio here, which, you know, the basement could be turned into for the week and uh, have ourselves a a con like no other. I mean, the ultimate meetup could be multiple days. We could do some live shows if people like Nick the Rat want to do that. People like, uh, you know, Billy Bones. We are in the wonderful city. The uh, the hotel, I believe, is in Frankfurt or Mokina. It may even be show as Orland Park when you look it up at uh, the Holiday Inn Express. But it's right okay. off of I-80. I thought for some reason I thought you were going to call Chicago a wonderful city. No, 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 no. You want to you want to stay. I mean, Chicago has a few good things about it. I mean, you can get some really good ribs if you don't mind maybe getting shot. There's some good food. But you know, for for Chicago style ribs these days, I'm. Uh, it's almost a worthy risk. Gee, it is. And uh, 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I'll have to, I need to put something together to see how many people would be interested to see how many podcasters might be interested, especially, you know, if like the guys from Grimerica might want to come in. I think we could get a, uh, I think we can get a decent crowd going and we could bring some people in off the, uh, off the Zephyr and get JCD to come in. I mean, we have to get him on grumpy old Ben's first, but, uh, yeah, you, you, if you, I mean, if you can get him to hop on the Zephyr and come all the way, I, do we, do we, I mean, that'd be an accomplishment. Would it be like, uh, that, that'd be like getting, getting CSB to donate to no agenda. Maybe. Would it be like, uh, in the A team where, Mr. T's character always had to be drugged. <laughs> Somebody just has to like drug to sedate to Devorah. Yes. Get him on a train. Get him on the train until he gets no, he's to such Chicago. A former, he should love being on the train. Yeah, but waking up in Chicago—that's a different. Uh, yeah, well, that—that's—that's that's a scene right out of most people's nightmares for sure. Yes. Yes. So, how do you feel about an actual text story? I'd love to get into an actual text story. Do we have one? No. Okay. So uh, no, but I've got I've got YouTube getting a hundred thousand euro fine for censorship. Yeah, which uh, to YouTube is like what fifteen twenty cents. Uh, that's that's couch cushion money. Uh-huh. That, that's that's like, hey, can we, uh, you know, just shake out one of the waste bins in the HR department? I'm sure we got a hundred thousand euros in here somewhere. Why are the euros? I don't know because we were probably extorting some Europeans. Probably, yeah. Um, the German Higher Regional Court at Dresden is where this came out of. Uh, there was a they didn't name who it was that posted the video, but there was a video showing the protests in Switzerland, people protesting the pandemic lockdown. This was uh, posted in January and YouTube deleted it, citing policy on medical misinformation about covid-19. Wait, so protesting uh, the lockdown was medical misinformation? Yes. OK, as, as YouTube and um, the court, uh, the German higher regional court ruled on April 20th that YouTube had wrongly deleted the video and ordered them to put it back up. Uh, fast forward to July. YouTube never put it back up. The court has now declared, uh, I guess, their version of contempt of court, saying uh, that uh, they should have put it back up, and they now owe 100,000 euros to the German court because they did not put it back up. Uh, the other thing they came up in the ruling is YouTube had tried to justify saying this is in our terms of service. Um, and, uh, it, they pointed out a, the point where they had amended the guidelines for posting. Um, and the court said that the amended guidelines had not been sufficiently conveyed to the account operator and that if you're going to enforce this policy, a literal amendment to the user agreement would be necessary. Um, so. The outcome of this $100,000 euros is, is like you pointed out that that's something that um, YouTube won't even notice. No. Google will not notice 100,000. But uh, the Europeans, uh, especially the EU, um, they they have a, a real hang up about people respecting their authority. Right. And um, if YouTube, if Google decides to be flippant about this, like they've probably come to expect out of, of American Silicon Valley companies. Um, this absolutely has the potential to go higher in the EU. And uh, they are not shy when, when a company decides to be uh, a, a recalcitrant about their rulings, they have not been shy about issuing multi-billion dollar fines and even instituting bans and stuff like that. Um, they're, is not a, uh, there's not an official path to doing that right now, but at this point, you know, the court issued the fine on the 5th of July and said that they had 14 days to pay it. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see is, is YouTube going to buckle down? Are they going to pay the fine? Are they going to put the video back up or are they going to change the policy? Because these are things that are going to be a whole lot more brutal than just one fine. Well, uh, this is just the start of this. I mean, you look at the, uh, yeah. the Trump lawsuit is very similar, which is you're censoring things and the government coming in, no matter what government it is, and saying, well, no, you're breaking our local laws. You know, that's my question with this one in the EU. Are they willing to shut Facebook down, block them and do whatever they can to keep? I mean, I would bet that Google is willing to shut Facebook down. Yes. <laughs> no. Are they, is the EU willing to shut uh, YouTube down, which is very hard to do, you know? Yeah. But I, I think I think uh, individual countries have even tried to do it uh, like done. It's been, uh, you know, c- countries that have national firewalls have, in fact, shut it down, although they were forced to bring it back due to popular demand. I, I don't know. It, you know, there there is the question of Silicon Valley somewhere in the last few years has become more powerful than most governments and have been flexing their power. And uh, the the thing about it is governments don't go down that easy and are are starting to notice the threat. And as soon as you become a threat to a government, then things happen that you don't imagine could happen. So if they think that fines are where this is going to end, you know, when when you when you have uh, one of your mid-level executives go and and visit Brussels on a vacation and end up in a gulag, uh, that's the kind of thing that can happen if they start really pissing off the EU government. So, uh, you know, this this could just be the beginning. Uh, the you know the and, and then you know there's also Silicon Valley with somewhere along the line over the Trump era they managed to completely alienate the right half of american politics and now with this new biden executive order that i still haven't fully absorbed but i think i'm gonna have to return to it at some point because there's a lot there and we do, we don't even know how it's going to be but but it looks like they're losing the favor of the the democrats too is silicon valley gonna are we gonna see in the next six months silicon valley becoming the the political whipping boy for everyone who wants to gain some populist points by saying look at these companies let's bitch slap them a little bit i think that's very possible and i think that you have a inner fight going on with the democrats amongst themselves as it is but when you are censoring one side no matter what side that is and it's easy to point to conservatives over liberals or republicans over democrats but you're also going to see now that it's going to happen within the Democrat Party because there's some very leftist people and there's some moderate people. And yeah, if Just you're going to look, you know, if you're going to go after the, young the extremes, who, look at all the young liberals who think Jeff Bezos is is Satan incarnate. Yes. I, I mean, yeah, Amazon is is absolutely a leftist company who are a, a darling of the leftist establishment. And yet there are a lot of very young activists who, who, while they are perfectly happy to continue giving Amazon a, a third of their income every month in buying goods, still will go out and complain that Jeff Bezos is the most evil force on the planet. Well, that's why he's going to space and he stepped down from his role <laughs> as CEO. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I'm betting he's going to come back too. probably. But all of this stuff. With different countries, different jurisdictions, all trying to lay claim or trying to lay the law down with these international web properties, 
It's never going to work. The only thing that works is you let people do everything and you say, we can't control it. But they've gone the other route. Facebook and Twitter and YouTube have all gone the route of, nope, we've shown you we can be the censors. We can moderate content. We can cover everything. We won't let anything slip through our fingers. I mean, they do. But once you have given people that you can do this stuff, it's a lot harder to be like, well, no, we can't. So it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be messy. It's going to be very messy. And I don't know where it's going to end up because the uh, these companies have way more money than uh, than God. So they can fight yeah. these governments. And, and, you know, the same thing was true of, of big banking of Wall Street for a long time and you know, having way more money and then you know, started being on the political out. And uh, eventually they realized that if they just own politics, then people will shut up about them. And maybe that's where Silicon Valley is going, because Silicon Valley is absolutely the new Wall Street. But I don't know. Uh, there are a lot of people very angry about lots of things today. And so it's hard to predict where something's going to go. And let me I add. Let me add yeah. this to the to the donation segment. I just noticed on No Agenda Social, Bacon Dude had a note on No Agenda Social because he sent in the ADA, the Cardano. He said, this is a shout out to Bemrose and his rants from the Microsoft days. Love hearing your thoughts and commentary on technological events. Also, much appreciation to Darren and Silky Witty Musings. I don't know if Witty is maybe it means Whitey. Well, musings of 89.7% logic and 10.3% shits and giggles. Yeah, that's about right. So you're you're willing to admit to being whitey, but not witty. Right. I think okay. so. <laughs> Silky, witty, musing. No, it could be whitey. Uh, I think so. See, see, Brooklyn is pointing out, uh, you know, when I was talking about people trying to block it. Uh, apparently, uh, AOC has personally blocked Amazon from Queens. Well, right. She wouldn't let them in. Because God forbid they get jobs in Queens and we don't want. There's so many of them that, that like you see those little Amazon branded vans all over the place. If if you zoom out and look at it from a city level, it's like an ant colony. They're everywhere. Well, yeah, that used to be. It wasn't even that bad, though. With the I mean, UPS are they going to set up and, Gestapo checkpoints at, at the Brooklyn Bridge or uh, maybe? I mean, it's the largest company that is providing. So much stuff. There was an article again. This is this is kind of like the the whole uh, concept for today's show, which is let me tell you about something I read, but I didn't clip and bring a, a yeah, link or anything to the show. <laughs> um, but it was Amazon had gotten the okay from whatever whatever federal agency it was in the United States. Now, this I wanted your opinion on this because um, we I, I, I sell 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 right. Um, oh. We know that a lot of these devices, this is not financial advice. No, never take financial advice from either me or Ryan Bemrose. The no, we're podcasters. We don't know what the hell we're doing. (laughs) You know how you make a billion dollars in podcasting? Start with a trillion dollars. The uh, the watches and stuff that Apple does and all these things which track all your health, including your sleep. Amazon has a different idea to track your sleep i don't know if you saw this but they um, brain implants no close though they're talking about adding or this is what they're going to be experimenting with whether it will be added to 
their echo devices the, or a separate device themselves. They're going to inject you with an experimental vaccine that makes your arm magnetic. No, that's the that's Fauci. I oh, think. that's a different company. Anyway, go on. Radar. They're going to be using radar in these devices to monitor your sleep. So you don't need to wear a watch, but you're going Wait, to have I, an Amazon device in your bedroom that is sending out radar waves to track how you're moving while you sleep. Is is this the new like Amazon? Is this a new Amazon sidewalk device where they're like, you know, 5G is not enough. We need to beam more radio waves at you. Maybe. But that is the what they're going to be uh, testing is this concept that the ultimate sleep tracking device will be radar rather. But it kind of makes sense rather than wearing a stupid watch, which is, I'm sure, uh, kind of annoying when you're sleeping or always having to have that thing on your wrist. That takes that part out of the way. And, uh, you know, that's good. But I don't know if I don't think radar is a harmful range of waves but it just seems like the ultimate in uh you know not, i guess maybe it's not the ultimate in the privacy concern but it's definitely it's the, the trolls are definitely coming out with with lines like you know uh hey irradiate me bro more, <laughs> more emf yeah Pump me up with that <laughs> yeah. radar technicians get rf burns yeah but the, that's because they're operating on radars in the megawatt range yes yeah yeah they're not uh i'm, I'm hoping that you won't be able to detect I, I i hope yeah i hope that amazon is not like you know using like ship mounted doppler radar to scan right. your sleep you can't okay so call call me old-fashioned <laughs> but here's how i track my sleep when i wake up in the morning am i tired then i didn't sleep well I, I, the, the, the tendency to be like, I need an internet connected device to tell me things about my body because I learned years ago to ignore signals from my own body about how I'm doing. And so I need a, a an electronic device to tell me like heart rate. Um, right. it, do I need a thing on my wrist to tell me what my heart rate is? No, I can just sit here and be like, huh. I'm really amped up and irritable right now. I guess my heart rate is high. Well, or that's just me always, but right. There's, I mean, there are some people that would benefit from that. I mean, there's a lot of people in the United States, at least that seem to have sleep apnea or other issues like that. And sometimes getting that diagnosed is important, but. Okay. I am not talking about any situation where you have worked out an arrangement with a doctor for determining the best thing with your health. Right. I am talking about the people who are like, you know, I haven't had a lot of energy in the morning. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking that I need to figure out exactly why. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and put this bracelet on to track my sleep in between cups of coffee, three and four, right before bed. Right. <laughs> we are this welcome to sleep hackers. Why aren't we sleep? I mean, it's, it, it, there's, a, there's a huge business. And people getting to sleep. I very rarely have had issues, you know, things like insomnia, not being able to fall asleep. Um, The the only thing would be, you know, if I was tired and I fell asleep at like, you know, before 10 o'clock, you know, then if I do get up at four o'clock, I I can't fall back asleep. But that's because I've slept enough to uh, to not need to sleep more. Uh, I know a lot of people have problems just falling asleep and there's a whole huge amount yeah. of, Here, here's uh, another hint uh stop watching youtube on a bright blue screen in your bed when you're trying to go to sleep 
we any kind of stimulus is bad. They've proven that any light from devices because of the blue light is worse than you just sitting reading a book, you know, the old fashioned kind. Now, if you're reading it on your iPad, not the same because the light is coming out of the I, iPad, although I, the iPad have, has a blue light blocker and all that. I have from personal experience, uh, I had an Android tablet that I was trying to read on and it was messing with my sleep. So I got it out and then I went back and found an old Kindle Paperwhite with a regular a backlit e-ink screen and you you turn the backlight way down and I sit there and read that. And for some reason with the e-ink, um, I, I will sit there and I'll realize that I've nodded off and the thing shut off on its own, but it's still in my hand. So clearly <laughs> it's not interfering with my sleep. Right. When that happens, I'm like, well, I guess I'm done here and turn over. But, uh, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I found that, uh, the, the led screens really mess with me and the e-ink screens don't just, maybe that's a tech tip and maybe I'm weird. Well, it's brightness. I think it's the blue light. I think reading is also different than watching videos or playing games or anything like that, because again, your oh, yeah. brain is wired differently for that kind of stuff. And on the topic of, uh, of articles that we read and weren't planning on bringing to the show. <laughs> this is the show about everything we didn't think was show worthy, but we're going to talk about yeah, it anyway. It's going to be easy to build the chapters file. I'm not going to spend any time at all trying to pull URLs. <laughs> Uh, the, the article that I read about, uh, uh, little kids and, uh, the orienting response and the number of jump cuts in children's programming. And it compared shows like you know, when we were growing up, what was, what was children's shows? We had, uh, Zoom, uh Mr. Sesame Rogers. Street. Yeah. Mr. Rogers. We had Sesame street. Um, I was a huge fan of square one TV, which was probably the most frenetic because they had, uh, you know, 10 or 12 segments per show and you might get a cut every 40 seconds. But if you go and, and I haven't because I don't have little kids, but anyone who has little kids, I guess is well aware of this. If you watch something made for kids today, there is on average a jump cut. I think they, they calculated there is on average or not a, not a, like a cut, uh, every 0.9 seconds on average in Whoa. these shows. And, and bright, bright colors and, uh, a lot more animations. The, you know, the other thing when, when we were young, if it was, it was the pinnacle of technology to put, uh, static letters over a screen. And now you'll have like the title of the show where each letter has its own unique animation and is spinning and bouncing around and everything about these animations and the cuts and the bouncing and the bright colors is designed to exploit a, a brain function called the orienting response, which is something that is found uh, in young animals of all types, uh, including humans, where if there's something going on and, and actually it's found in adults, too, but it's very prevalent in humans because they don't know very much or in, in young. Uh, if there's something going on that you don't understand, the brain is designed to focus on that thing for the purpose of determining whether or not it's a threat. This is extremely important when the something going on might be a weird snake sneaking into your tent or, or, uh, Hey, does, you know, that cat look very hungry or something like that? Um, when, when it meant life or death, but it is a response that's been left over from primordial days in humans where if something is going on and it doesn't fit into things we've seen before, then you stare at it 
until your brain either makes it familiar or determines that you need to do something with it. And you don't normally get fight or flight from kids programming, but speak for yourself. <laughs> maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you should. Right. Uh, but the, the, the result, is, you know, and kids are far more susceptible to this for the simple fact that they don't have the life experiences. You know, you go out and you look at something and like, I mean, you know, with you, it's probably somebody getting shot on your street and you're like, eh, ho-hum, it happens all the time. I don't need to orient on it. Somebody but, else will call 911. Yeah, someone else, the, the bystander effect. Right. Uh, but a little kid does not have the experience, at least I hope not, of somebody getting shot near them. So they're going to focus on it until they decide what to do. And uh, children's programs today have focused or have exploited the orienting response to the point where, um, you know, another thing that I heard when we, uh, when I was a kid, at least was the idea of, of the two minute attention span. And that is that, uh, if, if something is worth paying attention to, you gotta, you know, pay attention to it for two minutes. And, uh, I don't think any kid these days can possibly focus on anything for two minutes, 30 seconds, let alone two minutes. Um, anyway, the, the article that I read, uh, cited a, uh, a couple studies, including a popular one from a uh, scientist whose name I did not write down because I wasn't going to bring this story right. from 2004, where uh, and I, I can probably look it up. It's still going to be in my browser history, so I'll, I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. Boy, wait, wait, but, don't put your browser history in the show notes. Oh, it's all going in there. You just wait. <laughs> um, Elmo says, I'm scared. But this was connecting. Uh, a screen time to ADHD. And the conclusion that came out of this 2004 study was that for every one hour per day that a child sits focused on a screen with the, the blinking and flashing lights. And by the way, remember this is 17 years ago and children's programming have only gotten more frenetic since, but for every one hour per day, that your child spends staring at a screen with all the blinking and flashing and changing lights, there was a seven to 10% increase in the probability that they would have ADHD later in life. I believe that. And so, you know, uh, if, if five hours a day of screen time means a 35% increase in ADHD, I, I don't know. I, I would not be surprised that children's programs are uh, screwing up kids i i mean it of course it's it's popular media it's it's screwing up adults why not kids too well yeah that concept though is so dis like it just deep fries i can't even think about it because it's like it uh, fries your brain i remember there was a concert video that came out years and years ago i don't remember what band it was but i put it on and there was like a cut every four seconds and maybe it was even more than that it just seemed like there was cuts Constantly. Music videos also have been exploiting orienting response forever. Yeah, I had to turn it off because it's just like I can't, I can't handle this. I mean, stay, yes. you know, stay on one thing long enough. Also known as the epileptic response when they overdo it. Yeah, I mean, really, that's just—it's not healthy to have that because in nature, this stuff doesn't exist. Which I know we've had screens in the world for a long time from the television on up until now, but. You know, for a majority of the history of the human race, people weren't looking at these things that could change instantaneously from one image to another. Um, there was a lot back in the 
eighties. I haven't seen much lately as far as subliminal advertising and subliminal messaging, but I mean, you realize now that in a video that you're getting between 24 and 30 frames or even more now, 60 frames, 120 frames a second. All somebody has to do is slip a frame in there (laughs) with whatever message they want. And you're just going to think, oh, the screen flickered for a moment. Do you think that works? You know, I do think it works on certain. I think the the first time I ever saw that it was on uh, described. It was on the movie Fight Club, which I loved, but. They had the scene where they were talking about uh, subliminal messaging, where they slip in one frame of something and you'll be thinking about it the rest of the movie. And then right at that scene, it popped up with a picture of a penis. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, I know we've talked about that going, movie was so tongue in cheek. I loved it. Falling asleep with earbuds in. I know I've dreamt the content of what I was listening. So, I mean, I believe. Oh, yeah. That the human brain, even in a altered state can pick up on some of this stuff. And I believe even though you're not consciously able to process something that flashes that quickly, I think subconsciously some people may be able to, I mean, everybody's wired a little bit different, but you know, I I can see where that would have an effect on people, or maybe it's just, you know, you're getting certain colors, you're, you're programming people in a certain way. As uh, somebody mentioned in the troll room, I, when gummy nerds are buddy, the Viscount of the Troll Room comes in every now and then. I yes. play baggy the trousers guy. Right. I play Madness, Baggy Trousers. And a few times now. Yes. That that song is ADD in audio form. Yes. And you've had Adam Curry in some downtimes start going ding 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 baggy trousers. <laughs> and somebody in the troll room earlier was like, that's some real MK Ultra stuff you and gummy nerds are doing to Adam with the baggy trousers song. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. By the way, if you think that it is 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 just limited to kids programming or just limited to certain things, uh, it, the the quick cut style has become the preferred style for lots and lots of media. You know, I'm I'm not even going to go into like TV dramas, which now have uh, a far more cuts per one hour episode than they ever had in the past. The the era of of doing a long see one single shot and having it be a long see. You, I think it's going away, but the place that you will notice it the most is pay attention to any YouTube video that has some uh, fast talking millennial on it. And what you're going to see is anytime they're trying to make a point, it'll be the same person, just, just a head talking to the screen. And I, I see plenty of these because there's so many stories now that are not told in any kind of text form. You have to watch some stupid YouTube video with some talking head who, by the way, is talking at about one third the speed that I can read. And if you just put it into text <laughs> form, I get through it a lot faster, but they're still talking super fast. And part of the way they're talking really fast is if you watch and you pay really close attention, they're doing jump cuts over and over and over again, every couple oh, yeah. seconds, even if it's the same person. And, you know, the like mid sentence, they're doing jump cuts. It, it, when they cut to a point, there is, there's no such thing as stopping and letting a point breathe anymore. You make your point, you cut immediately and you start talking about something. I like, I, there are a lot of videos out there of fast talking people who have interesting things to say where I have to keep hammering on the pause button where I'm like, whoa. He just said something. Let me absorb that before he goes on to three more points that are all like I, I, I was diagnosed ADHD or ADD when I was young. 
And my brain does not operate fast enough to follow a lot of these videos. So I think that, that uh, younger kids than me have, have figured out how to tune their brains to only have one speed and that's high gear. I believe that. I'm feeling uh, maybe I'm just slowing down. Maybe I'm I'm Bidening or something. Also possible. And it was Boobery that was mentioning the MK Ultra stuff. And he's uh, he's into all that kind of stuff. So you should check out his podcast behind the squeams. I mean, it's oh, spelled I with threes and it's really hard to find. It's one of these just like uh, random thoughts. It's making well, fortunately, hard. fortunately, if you want to look for it, just look for Booberry, which is actually also spelled weird with <laughs> right. zeros. Sometimes with zeros. Sometimes with not. I mean, really, this is the best way to get an audience for a podcast is to make it absolutely as hard as you can for people to find the podcast. But that was our formula. The editing is a thing. And the few videos that I did on YouTube, I never really edited a lot. I would get it done in one shot. And if there was something that had to be edited, then I would usually try to throw a graphic or something up to make the edit much less noticeable, but the uh, filters, the algorithm that's built into things like Adobe premiere where it will do a cut, but kind of meld the two frames together, which kind of just makes it look oh, like, yeah, that, that's uncanny Valley AF. Yes, it is just, uh, it's, I don't like it. I don't. I mean, yeah, I, mean I no. I I can tell uh, when I'm watching a YouTube video. I can tell when a filter like that has been used because the talking head in front of me suddenly goes all Max Headroom for a moment. Yes, and it's like, why? Why did it do that? Well, because we had to get an edit in, and that's the that's the AI. It's doing the thing. But you're also right that a lot of people, including the show, we don't leave a lot of silence. It's because we bloviate a lot, and it yeah. is. The concept, I think, the the folks like, uh, you know, the guy that talks really fast, the conservative Ben Shapiro, there's a lot of people that have that style now. And I think there's a lot of people that believe you have to rush through everything because you want to give your audience as much as you can. You don't want to waste their time. So you're speaking really, really fast. But I do believe that hurts for people understanding what they're hearing. The stuff doesn't sink in. Pacing is a very hard thing to do. And one guy that's doing it really well, and this is something I think we mentioned when it came out, but going back and forth to beautiful Gibson's for the steak, we started listening to Brian Brushwood's new podcast, which is the greatest con ever told or something like that. Just look up Brian Brushwood. You'll find it. And it's very much produced like an audiobook. There's music, a little bit of sound effects going on, but there were times where he paused for a long time and it, it let what he said. And, and that made it past his editor. Yeah, believe it or not. And it was, it was excellent. I was like, I love this. It was, it was there for a reason. It wasn't like, Oh, the silence is here. We have to get rid of that. This was, we're letting something that was just said sink in. Maybe it had a little bit of an emotional punch and the pacing for telling a story is everything like a joke and you know that is that is a skill i think that the kids these days you know whatever you want to call the kids don't have and i think a lot of the younger generation don't even have the ability to speak well and to communicate well verbally which is going to continue to cause repercussions as we go further down the road 
There, there have been studies, and and no, I'm I'm absolutely not going to source these, but uh, you, I'm just going to assert it, and you have to believe me because I'm always right. Uh, there have been studies that show that, that uh, when somebody is absorbing information at a very high rate, the brain goes into a completely different mode where you are hearing the words. And, and if you've got particularly good recall, you're even storing the words, but you're absolutely not comprehending the meaning of it at the time that you're listening because it's coming in fast enough. If, if it comes in slower, then the brain will absorb the information and then process the information. But at a certain rate of speed, which I think uh, we, we passed that threshold on most YouTube videos years ago, at a certain rate of speed, you are not processing information. And the, the study showed through uh, an EEG that the critical thinking parts of the brain shut down as soon as you're trying to absorb information higher than a certain rate. And it's just washing over you. And it effectively means that everything you see is subliminal and you're not thinking about or, or analyzing anything. And I, it's been decades. I think TV got there. I think uh, YouTube got there. I think, uh, you know, uh, insert uh, standard line about people listening to podcasts at 2x speed. Right. right. Uh, you know, well, and, it's because and, the attention spans are lower. The, uh, Bandrew, again, the Bandrew Says podcast talked about because he does it as a video version and an audio version. And somebody was like, oh, why don't you have the theme music on the YouTube video? Because on the audio thing, much like our shows, I mean, we may have a quick little cold open and then we play the Fletcher intro and then Fletcher screams Grumpy Old Benz and we come in. And Bandrew's like on YouTube, people would turn it off. They don't have the attention span. Having even like 15 seconds of music at the start of your video, it was detrimental. I can relate because when somebody has the first 15 seconds of their video be some obnoxious graphic that, that advertises their channel, I'm like, I don't need this. Right. I'm on your channel. And it's interesting because we've talked about that in the past and I've been watching mash a little bit again, and I've just come to figure out how to hit the button three times or so to skip that first 45 seconds of every episode, which is the same opening sequence. Oh, yeah. Netflix and Amazon both have a button that says skip intro while the introduction to the show is playing. Yes. And, and I tell you what, if the show is worth watching, I never click that button. I, I go through the intro for the simple reason that it is the, the thing that sets you in the right mindset to be watching the show. It is part of the experience that was created by the director of the show. They wanted to put together this thing the and the intro sequence. Now, it was difficult with, uh, uh, for example, say Star Trek Voyager, which was two and a half minutes of intro. Right. Okay. Right. Or, uh, you know, uh, what did I watch? Uh, the, the Star Trek Picard was uh, 98 seconds of intro. And part of that was because they had six actors and 20 producers that had <laughs> to have their names listed. Right. Right. But, uh you know, if, if it is a well done intro and a show worth watching, then the entire point to the intro is that you watch it for the purpose of putting you into the right mindset. Back in the day, it was so you could go get a drink or go take a pee while oh, that the, too. while that was going on. And if I'm binge watching like Mash, I you know you I may watch the uh, the intro the first time through and then just skip through. And it, when it's the same intro every time, then it's not a well done intro, and I kind of understand. But like uh, the one I've been binge watching lately is uh, the Grand Tour. 
with uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkston, Richard Hammond, and James May. And if you like uh, British humor and or cars, they are very entertaining. Uh, but their intros are uh, the, the same music, which is, is an upbeat music and gets you like really pumped for watching this thing. But uh, in the background of the intro, they've got like the main graphics of a plane and a train going overhead and the map and everything. But in the background, they've got images that they pulled out of the show that they're doing. So if you watch the intro, you get a preview of the show. That is an intro done right. Yes. Unlike the 80s shows, like the 80s cop shows, which the intro basically gave away the whole plot. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, <laughs> except for the shows in the 80s. And I kind of liked these two where there would be uh, the first five seconds of the show was uh, a, a stock image with text over it. And then they went into the show uh-huh. because what else do you need? <laughs> right. It worked. You know, the storytelling could still be good. The technological advancements that you could do this stuff now out of your house, out of your PC and just post the stuff on YouTube. The stuff from very small creators is way more polished than the professional stuff was 20 or 30 years ago. It's kind of so- cool. The the last thing that I was going to talk about about the uh, from the article on kids attention spans, which I wasn't going to talk about on the show. Right. What is uh, the distinction between uh, watching on a TV screen like the living room TV and watching on an iPad or a small tablet screen? And it has to do with. the the article called it a, a a sphere of consciousness or something, but it basically has to do if you if you are watching on the TV in the living room, then the uh, a small child will project their attention to the size of the room. And what that does is it leaves physical space for a parent to be in their area of attention and therefore to interact and and it turns the TV screen time into time that a parent can be uh, bonding, interacting and, and helping them grow as a person instead of just passively absorbing screen. But if you hand a kid an iPad or a phone, then what you can see and every parent has seen this in the body language is the elbows go out and they hunch over and they create their sphere of attention. The entire world that they are paying attention to is the size of their face plus the screen. And a parent cannot physically get into that, which means that their minds will tune out everything outside their sphere of attention. Um, they, they do not react to external stimuli, uh, where if, if it's, if they're watching a screen in the room, then other stimuli in the room can still get their attention, like, like a dog barking or like a parent talking to them. But if, if you're hunched over an iPad, you don't react to external stimuli like a parent asking you to do something. Um, you you don't acknowledge any other human beings outside of that sphere. The the result is is looking at something on an iPad or a phone is a very different experience because the attention is not widened out to anything else going on physically around you, as opposed to if if you're going to give your kids screen time, the article recommended that you absolutely give them screen time on the biggest TV you can find in the large viewing room so that other things in the room still enter and, and they, they don't learn to just tune out the world when focusing on a screen. That would make sense. 
mean, these little screens, as you said, that is exactly the body language. It's you're just focused on that little and you half the time. It's like you think you could just, you know, blow a cow up next to some of these kids. <laughs> it's like they're not even going to notice. Oh, they're, yeah. They're looking at the screen. And it's yeah. Like, and I, I mean, if you have if you have particularly stellar parents, what they'll do is they'll give their kid an iPad. If you're in a like a restaurant had this happen. Uh, that the iPad was loud enough. Everybody in the restaurant could hear it. Oh. The kid did not care because the kid did not even acknowledge they were in a restaurant. They were just, uh, my parent put me here and then gave me this screen. So I'm going to watch this. And well, in this particular case, I leaned over. I'm like, is there any way you could turn that down? And the, the parent got really pissy with me. So of course I made a stink about with the restaurant. <laughs> well, that's how the fight started at the Bodine's concert. When the woman was holding yeah. up her phone in front of me and the, uh, but and like, in this in this particular case, the the restaurant waiter then reseated me. So, nice. Well, this is a case that uh, like I was asking you to reseat her outside the fucking restaurant, but whatever, yeah, whatever works. And if we were a normal podcast, this would have been the place that we would have slipped in an ad for some earbuds. So uh, yeah, grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. We're not doing that. We're not hawking yes. earbuds. Donate to Grumpy Old Benz. We won't get you earbuds, but we'll make you wish you had some. Right. Wait. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just so other people around you don't think you're absolutely insane. Like, who are these guys you're listening to? They don't sound exactly, you know. Uh, so let's up. see. Another day, another data breach. You know, there have been so many. It's getting to the point to where it's turning into white noise. It is. And, and that's why I went out and I, I saw this and I almost went, that's not even interesting anymore. And I went, no, I have to bring something just to point out it's still happening. Um, this one was Mint Mobile from Bleeping Computer. Right. Um, Which was, this was kind of a nefarious one when you think about yeah. what people have on their phones. Yeah. Uh, so the Mint Mobile sent out an email to its affected subscribers saying, between June 8th and June 10th, 2021, a very small number of Mint subscribers phone numbers, including yours, were temporarily <laughs> ported to another carrier without permission. That's that's wow. Ported to porting your phone to another carrier without permission. That's a that's a breach. Well, um, yeah. And that means you don't necessarily know, which is why no, you have to go. Until reset you get a bill. Well, well, it's not just even that. I mean, the problem with this is when your number has been ported, you know, if you have your phone set up in such a way that that's how you're accessing Gmail, Facebook and all your social media sites. When somebody has your number, they can get into that account. I mean, it's often quite easy at that point. And, you know, that's that's a huge data breach, privacy breach. When somebody can get access and make it seem like it's your phone, because, you know, for a reset, people are like, well, of course, it's your phone. We know you own that phone. Nobody else has that phone. So. So the mail went on to point out, they said that uh, attackers also potentially gained access to some of your personal information. Let me know if any of this sounds personal. Name, address, telephone number, email address, password, bill amount international call detail information, telephone number, account number, and subscription features. Um, I said the word password in there. Yeah. Change your passwords, people. Change all your passwords. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, you should probably be doing that often anyway, and you use a password manager so you don't have to memorize the weird passwords you're generating. But 
yeah, I the password got out. Okay, once the password is out, all the rest of that is superfluous. They have your account. This is why using a two-factor authentication device that is not tied to your phone is often very important if you want your accounts to stay secure. So uh, Mint has not released publicly any information about this particular breach. So Bleeping Computer took it upon themselves to point out that it looks very, very similar to another attack against U.S. Cellular that happened in January. Uh, (laughs) During that one, uh, adversaries scammed employees into downloading remote access software to their phones and then used the CRM on their phones to access the database and got all the same type of information. But we don't know if that's what happened here. But, um, yeah, another, another day, another data breach. Just because you think these companies know what they're doing and they're going to keep your data safe. No, no. That's why anything. If you want to protect yourself, we are, we have reached the point where, uh, it's, you know, 10 years ago, I told people just be really careful about which companies you trust, but that's not even the case anymore. Even if you trust them, even if they are, uh, saints, and they only hire good people and they are absolutely 100% honorable and would rather uh, commit ritual suicide than breach your trust. They probably don't know that they breached your trust because these systems are complicated. They're getting hacked all the time. If you want to protect yourself, the way to do it is do not. If you don't want your information to be public, don't give it to anyone. Right. It's, it's like, the you know, how do you keep a secret? Don't tell anyone. Yes. That, that, but I want to tell somebody. Yeah. But this is why, I mean, and I know there's some, if you have an account at places or some information they're going to have, but even for things that I use all the time, like we pay our utility bill through our local uh, city via credit card monthly, I go in and put the credit card number in every time. It's always like, oh, click here to save this. It's like, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. I I do not want that as an extra added field. Uh, They're probably saving it anyway, but I really Uh, would try to avoid that. That's like, uh, you know, the every website that has a login has the little remember me button. And uh, that button actually does nothing in most cases for me because uh, I am logging in with Chromium in in private mode, which is going to dump all of my cookies the moment I close the browser. And that is by design. I want every single time that I log into your system, I want to enter my password. Now I use a password manager for that. So that makes it easier, but I don't want my browser keeping my password around. That's another, uh, it's another. So, um, a truck driver is asking what's the best password manager. Um, I don't know that I have that information. I can tell you what I use. Um, I use one called KeyPass, and it is available on windows and on Android. I don't know about other systems. Yeah, we've uh, talked about that, I believe, in one of the other episodes. I have been using RoboForm for well over a decade, and that is a paid service, but it's reasonable. They have family accounts, and it works quite easily on the desktop, on the Apple devices, and the Android devices. So it is, it's very good. I don't really use it on Linux. I'm sure it probably works just fine on that, too, because everything else, it works much easier than the other stuff that I've tried. Yes. Uh, so what else? Uh, I have a, I have a story about a, a study that the European union commissioned to show how much piracy hurts the sales of copyrighted music and, and movies. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody believe this? Well, okay. Uh, first of all, I preface this by saying the story is from 2017. 
uh, but it's still true. Uh, the European Union spent four hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars. The the Engadget gave the number in dollars, so I'm guessing they converted from e, uh, from euros uh, to determine how much piracy hurts the sales of copyrighted works. Um, then the study was finished, and inexplicably, the EU declined to release it. Would you like to guess why? Um, it was racist. No, no. Back in 2017, <laughs> things weren't as racist as they were today. No, the reason that they decided not to release the d- results of the study is because the study found, quote, no robust statistical evidence of displacement of sales by online piracy. Oh, so it's not hurting them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, the study did call out one exception to this, and that is blockbuster movies within the first few weeks of release. They determined that every 10 pirate downloads results in a loss of four ticket sales um, and that over the lifetime, this resulted in a reduced sales for these films, the blockbuster tentpole films by 4.4%. That particular piece of information was cited multiple times by people trying to push through stricter copyright regulation. But the bulk of the study was never released until... Uh, Julia Rita, who is the, the German representative, I, I think she used to be the representative from the Pirate Party, submitted a FOIA in 2017 to get this study released. And when the when that came through, they finally said, OK, we'll just make the whole thing public. Well, and, uh, yeah, the interesting thing is when it comes to both movies and music, is anybody really buying the content anymore? It's gone to a streaming concept. That was um, my dad said something to my nephew when we were out. It was about some song. It was a Willie Nelson song or something. And he's like, oh, you know, yeah, I can get you the CD. And he's like, no, grandpa, I have Spotify. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't see yeah. any. That's like, I know I'm old. I'm buying more physical music now than ever because it's vinyl. And I mean, I haven't been buying any CDs. The only CDs I bought are the Taylor Swift ones, which are autographed. And those are more like, hey, maybe they'll be worth something in you know 10 years or maybe they'll be worth yeah, zero. They, they might be worth something after she implodes. Yes. So you never know. But this is the concept for piracy is 99 percent of the people. And OK, I understand that's a little high, but a vast majority of people now are consuming their music on a streaming service like Spotify that they just pay their 10 bucks a month or whatever it is. I don't know. Cause I would never even think about doing one of those services, but they sign up for whatever service and then they just stream whatever is there and they don't care. The concept of owning CDs or tapes or vinyl is not a popular one anymore. Owning, you know, back in the day, you know, people love to show you how many VHS movies they had, even though VHS sucked or then it went to DVD and then it went to Blu-ray and well, ultra disc, whatever that the laser disc and people had a they wanted to brag they wanted to show you the huge collection that they had of their media stuff now that's all gone it's all streaming so this concept that piracy is somehow hurting is it's it's less plausible to me because most of these artists most of these people doing the movies i mean granted they make the big deals with the Netflixes and that. I mean, we talked about that where friends to extend the one extra year on Netflix. Wasn't it like $10 million or was it a hundred? It was crazy. It was, a, it was quite a bit. Yeah. You know, it was a huge amount, like, holy crap to have, you know, one year of friends on your service. Uh, 
but this is where everybody's doing it. I don't think where when we were starting this stuff, you know, when broadband became a thing 15 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even then I would say, yes, piracy was really cutting into sales. It was changing the way rather than going out and buying a disc, people were downloading, but that's not the case anymore. And, is, and I don't think piracy has any is even a drop in the bucket when it against things like uh, YouTube and Spotify streaming sales. If if you're getting your revenue from Spotify, I don't think piracy is cutting into Spotify listening. I agree. I don't think those are the same people that are going to do that. It's a, uh, you know, I want the physical media douchebag Pat saying he has a friend that still has a full wall of CDs. I do too, but they're in the basement and I haven't touched them in two years. I I do too. I was one of those people who uh, I, I had, I built, I started building my very extensive video collection. I was investing in DVDs and from, uh, you know, from when I got out of college and managed to get a job that gave me the expendable income to, go buy the CDs from that point until about the time that uh, I stopped caring so much about DVDs. I, I have a very, very extensive collection from of movies from 2001 to 2007. And <laughs> that's where it stopped. Everything went. Yeah. Well, it stopped because, because I, I subscribed to Netflix because I started, you know, we started streaming things. I may or may not have done any piracy, but uh, somewhere along the line, DVDs were no longer the deal that they needed to be. But the hilarious thing is every once in a while, there's one of those things that, that has, has gone off of Netflix or off of the Amazon streaming or, uh, or you're like, I knew this was made by Disney, but it's not on Disney plus or something like that. And. I look at it and I'm like, wait, I have a DVD of that somewhere. And then I have to go find a computer with an optical drive. But once I've got that, I got the movie. <laughs> right. You have to rip it, get it onto your NAS. That's what I got, man. I got my own Netflix going on. I have my own Spotify and I dig it because I've got the content and it won't just disappear. If somebody that runs yes. one of those services decides that they just want to make yeah, that disappear. Every one of these services would be far superior in convenience and value to their competition, which is piracy, if they would just stop t- making things disappear. I, it's the most, you know, the people complain about the cost, but honestly, uh, $10 a month is not that awful for the ability to watch everything ever made. I, I that this is, this is something that, that, uh, a 1985 Bemrose would have, his little mind would have exploded if he was told, yeah, you can pay $10 a month and watch everything ever made yes or or you can go to youtube and with an ad every 25 seconds you can watch everything that was ever made oh i'm telling but, you I, did I, I think i mentioned that we got the pop-up a, a week or so ago for the oh get your free month and it ended up being three free months of youtube premium and it is so nice to watch because there's a few people that i follow their channel and it is so nice to be able to watch it without ads on the roku I mean, the ads never show oh, up. I, I, I know you block origin. I've, I've never seen ads on YouTube. And there's no way to do that. For some reason, there's no way to do that on, yes, the, on Roku, the Roku, yep. which is it's horrible because that's how I enjoy watching. I mean, I can plug the laptop in. I can do that whole thing just like I had to do to watch Rogan and the Podfather on the Joe Rogan experience. I had to plug the laptop into the TV. That was the only way to get it to go onto the television. But, you know, the Roku's convenient and I've got all the other stuff blocked. And I'm, I, I know after three months of not having ads, 
I'm probably going to end up paying YouTube the 12 bucks a month or whatever they want because be like, I just don't want to see your ads, man. If, if you consume enough of the content to, yes, it, if, if the question is a, a binary question between consume contents with ads and consume contents without ads, $12 a month is hardly worth or is hardly a price to pay. It right. is absolutely worth paying for no ads. Um, I, I mean, I, I reject the dichotomy and in a lot of cases, I mean, for the vast majority of content on YouTube, I see an ad and I'm like, I don't actually need to watch this. I have better things I can do with my time. But sometimes you have to watch something. So, yeah. Or you just start downloading everything, which is the other thought for the channels that I watch, which is, you know, I like Andrew's show. So I check that out when he has new reviews or his podcast. I watch the professor of rock guy who's had some really good interviews and he's doing daily content. And there's a couple other channels that, you know, I could live without. I mean, I like Brian Brushwood stuff as well. Every now and then we'll watch something Vaynerchuk put out. And then there's uh if, if I'm feeling in the mood, I'll watch the Sarah Lane and Tom Merritt show too, the daily tech show and all of those without the ads. And it, it, yeah, that's a small price to pay to not have the show stop every 10 minutes and show you three. The, the hilarious thing is, you know, they're messing with the advertisers because in almost every one of these, you can skip the ad after like three seconds. So it's like a 10, 20, 30 second ad. But as long as you got the remote in your hand, as long as you see the first three seconds are like skip ad now, it's like, well, yeah. it's just so they could say, nope, uh, yeah. Coke, you well, yeah, saw your ad. It's so YouTube and, and that is, uh, I don't remember if this was a court case or just an agreement between some big advertisers, but uh, there, there was a point where they said, uh, you know, there, this is how many seconds you have to watch to count as a full ad view. And, uh, you know, you, you as the end user might not care whether you watched for three seconds or six seconds or whatever to count as a full ad view. But let me tell you the, the market of whether or not the advertisers have to pay full price to the platform, they really care whether you got a full ad view. Yes. And, and, and just like with, with Bandrew not wanting to put an intro on there, uh, the advertisers have started to figure out that you no longer do a sweeping shot of the mountains that slowly zooms in on your product because people are going to see the mountains and skip. So you change it so that if the, the first three seconds, you've got to get your subliminal message into people's brains, no matter how many jump cuts that takes. Right. And if your ad doesn't have Adriana Lima in it, I'm not watching more than three seconds. Sorry. So, I mean, that's that's how you get me. That's how you get me involved in the product. Or Taylor Swift. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, okay, let's just be honest. Any Depends attractive female would be like, oh, what, what is this product you let's, are selling? Let's be honest. Our standards really aren't that high. Yes. <laughs> what is this great product you are selling me with the help of attractive young females? Yeah, they know how to get our demographic. We're not hard yeah. to figure out. <laughs> yes. You mean the demographic of anybody with a libido? Yeah. That, yes. That's, that's been known to marketers for as long as there's marketing. Guys are pretty easy to figure out. They're yes. hungry. Or they're horny. Sometimes both at the same time. And then, bam, that's when the magic so, happens. Do you have any other stories you didn't intend to bring? Or Oh, there were a few. I mean, one, I just wanted to mention that we talked about what was coming with Windows 11 and how there was a hack in order to get it back to the original Windows 10 star I menu. This one. Yep. And that's disappeared now. Uh, yes. Yes. Microsoft released the, the latest version. The registry hack no longer works. So they want you to be on 11. You got to use the new menu. 
I don't know. Looking at the new start menu, I think they want you to be on a Mac. It does. I mean, I, I will admit it is a prettier start menu that I will give them. Whether people are going to like that or not, I don't know. I've used a Mac in the past, so it's not really a deal breaker for me. I'm not one of these people that are like, oh, my God, I love the Windows 10 start menu so much. If I don't have the Windows 10 start menu, I'm never going to go to 11. But and, and I'm the person who I'm like, as long as you don't mess with my PowerShell prompt, I you can do whatever you want to the rest of it. That's right, baby. I was using uh, I was using the PowerShell earlier to download the complete list of the NordVPN servers and then using OpenOffice to extract all of the server names for a little uh, hacking thing I'm working on in my Pi. So, uh, I mean, you got to be able to change those servers automatically. So I needed the list and PowerShell. Love it, man. And uh, the other thing from Microsoft, and I had this, this is the, it's funny because this is the last story that was on my list. And I don't even know when this was from, but it was a bleeping computer thing about Windows 10 cloud PCs, what you need to know about the new service. And we never got around to that, but there was another new article about the Windows cloud PC service. It's almost ready to launch. And I just wanted your yeah. opinion on this well, because I, I, I read this one too, but I wasn't going to bring it to the show. So let's definitely <laughs> talk about it. Right. The reason I wasn't going to bring it to the show is because of that word almost. It's almost here, but the, this is a concept to me that is moving everything out of the user's control. And this is concerning. I know this is aimed at business and this is aimed at large organizations being but able to deal with it. It's only concerning if you want to do something on your computer, on, on the computer, their computer, on any that computer, they don't want you to do. Which is as long lot. as you stay within your authorized bounds, then but, you, yeah. I think this is going to go to the normal residential computer user. And this is like the ultimate in censorship, which is your desktop doesn't exist at your location. It's in the cloud. They have control. This technology has existed for a very long time. Uh, That was, it was kind of tied to Microsoft domain controllers, but uh, even when, when I was there, um, I didn't personally uh, do much with this service for the simple fact that I was working on the operating system. So it was really important that I have actual physical computers with software on it at me in my office. Um, but they had a system even as long ago as like server 2010 um, where y- you're your desktop and your entire user profile would be on a NAS somewhere. And the workstations were, they, they were running instances of windows. So that's different from the cloud PC a little bit, but you log into your workstation and it would download your entire user profile as part of your logging in and then populate your desktop as if it's yours. Uh, the only difference is that you can't, you you have to save things to your user profile directory because if you save stuff outside of that, it's on the local hard drive and therefore doesn't, if you move to another workstation or the workstation gets wiped. But the idea was the IT department could wipe out the workstations every day and it didn't matter because when you logged in, you still had your space. And, uh, you know, if, if you are the kind of person who the only time you ever hit control save, it goes into the my documents folder, then that folder is going to go with you. 
if you're if you're more like me and you keep stuff in folders called e colon backslash stuff, then <laughs> um it's a little harder to make that portable. I've had stuff, I've had various stuff, I've had shit, various shit, I've had delete this, I've had temp, <laughs> and it all never gets deleted. So it doesn't really matter what you name it. Yeah. It just shows I, up there. And sometimes I'm uh, sometimes I'll come back later and I'm like, I have a folder from 2013 called Y. <laughs> then you go in and add a file that says because <laughs> then everything just works out. But this is just it's just scary to me that, you know, I, when you do it on your own machines and you are using remote desktop and stuff like that, it makes sense when everything exists in the cloud. Then, I mean, I get how they're going to sell this to people, which is. Well, you'll never have to worry about Windows Update because the machines will just automatically have the latest version of our software on it. It'll all be done magically and you won't have to do anything. And well, if your computer at home, if your system there, if somebody comes by and steals it or bashes it with a baseball bat or whatever, all of your data is safe in the cloud. But it's all then being monitored. I mean, unless they're going to pretend or maybe they'll try whether they'll have just good security everything encrypted so they can't tell what's on there but even then i don't know i don't like the concept maybe i'm just old and i like having the machine and my hard drive and everything existing at my own location i I think you are old yeah i don't like this Uh, i also think that you are uh both computer literate and uh an independent computer user and all of these things you you have been brought up in a situ in a place where if you have a computer, then it's your computer. And that is the idea. That is the, the mindset that needs to be broken for any of this to work. And in a lot of, of corporate places, uh, especially places like cube farms, um, you don't have your computer. You have this, this particular spot in the cubicle is your workstation for the day. And you're using this company's computer to do what the company authorizes. Yes. Um, If, if I may be allowed to bring an article that I hadn't intended to bring today, but this is uh, the 19th. (laughs) uh, I I read one. I, and I actually, I'm not going to get most of the details on this, but uh, it is, I'll I'll see if I can pull it up and put that in the show notes too. Um, It was about the lengths to which uh, uh, Chinese companies with Chinese workers are installing uh, some of the most invasive and frightening anusware into computers for the purpose of monitoring the productivity and actions of their employees. And, uh, this stuff is, uh, you remember when, when we brought the, the proctoring software that you would, you would take a test and it would do things like if you weren't looking at the screen for more than, uh, 10 seconds, then it would beep at you and notify somebody that you might be cheating. Right. The camera Uh, was on. It was the microphone was on. They were doing everything they could to figure out what you were doing. This Chinese stuff is, uh, take that and make it about a hundred times more invasive and big brother. Um, it is using your computer for the purpose of big brother looking over your shoulder. Um, it it tracked, uh, uh, you know, how, how long you went up and got to the bathroom. It tracked uh, where your eyes were looking at all moments of the day. It Which, tracked, it used AI to check your facial expression to see uh, if a particular, you know, it would, if, if you frowned, it would, it would look at what's on the screen and log that so that later they can determine if you were uh, thinking bad thoughts about the company. Well, yeah, but this is what they're going to start doing for people that want to work out of the house. This is what you're going to have to give into. 
And there was a company, I don't remember which one, in China that had cameras at the door that wouldn't open unless you were smiling, which (laughs) I thought was like the most nefarious thing ever, man. Oh, that is Orwellian. Yes. That's that's creepy. Yes. I, I was just you, wishing you the will AI, have nothing and you will like it. I was wishing and hoping that the AI would be smart enough to know a force smile and still yeah. not let you in. <laughs> that's that, that was my thought is, is can it can it read the the force smile? And also, does it have a wide enough field of view to focus not only on your face, but also the middle finger that you've got pointed at it? Right. They're like, ah, screw you, man. That's that's this and, is where we're and, heading. And by the way, you know exactly the people who are subjected to that every single day will develop, even if it's not intentional or if it's not nefarious, they will develop their own little games. Let's see how how maliciously I can comply, how little yes. I can do <laughs> in order to make this thing let me in and yet still be angry at it. Okay, see that is a Bemro show title, malicious compliance. It's the title of a subreddit that back when I was reading Reddit, I used to love reading that one. I love it. <laughs> Malicious compliance. Yeah, that's uh, that is going to be the title. Well, everything show. I've got left is is stories I had meant. So we we should put those off. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, we've got a lot of content in today's show, which shows we can go off the cuff with the best of them. And I've still got lots and lots and lots. of Oh, notes. no doubt. No doubt. I, I scanned the bleeping computer headlines. I know most of what's in your notes. Oh, and there was, I mean, really, there was nothing new. I mean, that was actually I really, yeah, appreci- I, I scanned the bleeping computer headlines and the vast, you know what it was. It was, it was Kaseya hack over and over again. It was, it was stuff we'd already talked about. You know, and I kind of felt going into the show, uh, the same way Bandrew, the way Bandrew started his show. We've been talking a lot about Bandrew today, but his latest Bandrew says he starts with, I got absolutely nothing to say, so I'm just going to rant for a while. There's no news. Yeah. There's nothing worth talking about, but, you know, I got to do a show. Actually, quick, quick note on on the procedure. Uh, has Bandrew ever been an expert on this show? Does he even listen? He has not been an expert yet on Grumpy Old Ben's. I know. Okay. Then then why are we giving him all of that? Oh, well, he did. He did post the other day that. <laughs> Random thoughts is awesome. How have I never heard this before? I subscribe. So we'll, we'll slowly get him over to grumpy old. Okay. Ben's. Well, yeah. yeah, if, if you bother giving us a plug, if the, if the, you know, he, he, he'll listen to me, but I mean, you're an acquired taste. So, and uh, which everyone should acquire. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going that far. I'll give a lot of no, advice. I did. You don't need to. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know if I would. You may want to be fact checked in the troll room on that particular one, but. I never want to be fact-checked. Either way, we will be back on Friday for another fun, exciting, and informative edition of Grumpy Old Ben. So not like this one. We'll be doing that on Friday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America just outside of Chirac, where a good steak is always better than no steak at all. And from America's left coast, where this is a sign-off line that I never intended to bring to the show today, I'm Ryan Bemrose.